0: You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the Junior League. A late pass for Long, he's got Leopold with him! Long walks in, centers, right hand shot, rotates and then sends 0 long back to Leopold.
1: boy And here we go, right off the bat a fight ensues. And it's Lealold and Kern, they're both getting in shots. Now Lealold throwing right after right and just connecting
2: like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that
3: became my new passion.
0: What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin?
3: They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid.
1: And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin
3: oh Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. This is Brady Leobold coming at you guys from Utterson, Ontario. This is episode number 50 I'm already getting emotional just saying that I can tell you guys already it's uh, I don't know about my guest, but I'm gonna be choked up quite a bit so just uh, be prepared uh, anyways guys uh, once again thank you so much for listening if this is your first time listening hold on <laughs> maybe you should go back and listen to a, a few of the other ones uh, however uh, thank you to everyone that's uh, joined in on the ride, whether it's your first time or your 50th time. Thank you so much. I hope you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can check them out anywhere on social media at Hockey Podnet and of course their website www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Uh, guys, I've been actually following hockey for the first time in years and years and uh, it's been exciting. It's obviously nice when, when one of my former teammates is... Uh, battling for the Stanley Cup, he's he's obviously got a uphill battle, and I'm talking about Jamie Benn and the Dallas Stars. But uh, what an interesting, what an interesting scene watching NHL playoff hockey in August and into September, uh, and everything else that's gone on. I, I haven't talked too much about the political stuff, and uh, I don't really plan to. However, I will say uh, that I've enjoyed it, and uh, you know what, the, the players are, are playing hard. Uh, there's been more fights and scraps in this hockey than there has been in years, uh, and they're standing up for what they believe in, so I support them 100%, uh, and and guys, uh, I hope you do as well. Um, other than that, I mean, hold on, hold on for this one, guys. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, I hope it's going to be educational. Uh I don't even know why I'm here to be doing this in the first place and in, in my honest opinion, uh, I should have been long gone uh, many years ago. Uh, however, I, I'm not and I'm so grateful that I'm not. Uh, uh, but there's just been so many others um, in you know similar situations, believe it or not. Uh, that haven't been as lucky uh, and one of them was Matthew Lazinski and I talk about this every single podcast so get used to it. Matthew Lazinski was born in 1987 the same year as myself played in the OHL for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and, and struggled with mental health and addiction and his story is so similar to mine uh, however I was on the west coast and he was out here in Ontario and I never even got a chance to meet him but a guy by the name of Matt Thompson uh, reached out to me after episode number one uh, and shared the story of Lazinski. and I'm sure you've heard me talk about this lots. Uh, and, uh, you know, this the similarities were were uh, honestly disturbing uh, because uh, since that day, there hasn't been a day and sometimes an hour that goes by where it's like, wow, you know, I, I have the plaque with me. Uh, I'm not in the Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio that's in the middle of being built. And I know it's taken me way longer than I've um, anticipated and hoped. But uh, good news, it, it's getting done in the next couple weeks. And I'll, I'll share some uh, more news on that at the end of the episode. But Uh, Matthew Lazinski, uh, passed away in 2017 to an overdose and, uh, Matthew Thompson shared the story with me and, uh, they were best friends. And, uh, since then, uh, pretty much everything I've done, I've remembered, uh, how grateful I am to be alive. And, and so many others like uh, Lazinski have not been so lucky. Um, and, and since learning about that story, there's been others and some even closer to me than Lazinski, like Mitch Fadden. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the answer is, guys, but I was sick of hearing um, hearing about it all and not doing anything about it and talking about it and not doing anything about it, and I know others were too, and that's uh, why myself, as well as others like Matt Thompson and, and guys like Darren McCarty, uh, four-time Stanley Cup champ, have stepped in uh, to create something called the PuckSport Foundation. Uh, the PuckSport Foundation uh, is essentially... Um, an organization, a non-developing nonprofit uh, charity, uh, to assist the hockey community—not uh, just players, uh, players, coaches, uh, parents—you uh, name it—anyone uh, in the hockey community uh, struggling with mental health and addiction, uh, and just the stresses of life, um, which often don't get talked about. I know, growing up, I, I certainly didn't talk about it, and. And I know playing hockey in the dressing room, I didn't talk about it. Um, I just assumed that uh, I needed to just be quiet and, uh, you know, just be, you know, shut up and and just play, you know. That's what you do. You're a hockey player. And uh, eventually it got the best of me uh, and led me down a dark road So uh, and and so many others. And and even guys that have, have, you know, gone on to tremendously successful NHL careers, uh, guys with multiple Stanley Cups and millions of dollars in the bank um, they struggle as well and uh, it's not just hockey players guys it's just life life is difficult and uh, the Puck Sport Foundation just wants to take a little bit of stress a little bit of pressure off the hockey community um, and uh, we're really focusing and working hard. And uh, every day things come together just a little bit more. Uh, and uh, one of the things we're doing is the Puck Sport Foundation Gratitude Crusade. And guys, it's been uh, t- tremendously successful. It's about to get... Uh, uh, about to get revamped, so to speak, uh, we're going to restructure it and uh, change it more from a video to picture so that more people want to uh, be inclusive. Because yes, we need to raise money uh, immediately just to get this thing off the ground. And again, I'm going to touch on, touch on this at the end. Um, but the most important thing about the Gratitude Crusade uh, is, you know, seeing uh, people the people that have done it thank you so much make these videos and then the support come in and just you know encouraging people to live with the attitude of gratitude I've said this multiple times I literally have an alarm in my phone five times a day that says stop and be grateful and there's reasons why I do that you know most of the time uh, my days are pretty good uh, but I still struggle uh, every single day I still struggle uh, life is hard uh, I don't use drugs anymore uh, in the capacity that I was um, or, I mean, I just say that because I have to be careful, because yes, I tell you guys I use cannabis, so when I say I'm clean, some people are like, oh, well, you're not, but, you know, it's it's medical reasons, and, and you know, I've talked to doctors, and I'm on my way of getting the medical prescription, um, so that it's all um, done properly, and, you uh, so, um, and again, I've talked to my psychiatrist uh, about it and psychologists about it. So, you know, and they're all supportive um, as well as my doctor. So uh, I just want to make that clear before we go on. And again, that's just something that I'm working towards and something that I'm mindful of. And, and eventually I would like to uh, to be on nothing too. But again, um, I still think what I'm doing beats the alternatives of, of pharmaceuticals, of antidepressants and, and all of that. But that's my opinion. And, and based on the research and and. Uh, experiences that I've had uh, I don't ever want to influence or encourage anybody to do anything that I'm doing just because you think I'm doing it and it's working for me uh, no I want everybody just to get educated uh, and make the best possible decisions uh, and just you know before you do things ask questions it's okay to ask questions ask the doctors questions before you know doing doing things before taking things um, and uh, you know it's okay like you know not Cause in my in my experience, I just you know, it was just I was easily influenced and uh, it led me down a dark road. So, that is just something I want to get off my chest uh, because I know some people are having a hard time with it, with uh, wrapping their heads around it. Because for so long, uh, the whole cannabis industry has been outlawed and, and looked at as uh, something that's so harmful when, in fact, when used with intention and used properly, and um. In the right setting and all of that, uh, it can be extremely beneficial and can actually, you know, keep people away from the harmful uh, painkillers such as, you know, Oxycontin, which is the thing that destroyed my life, which I'm going to talk about uh, probably in, in pretty great detail today. Um, guys, man, this is just crazy. I just wanted to say thank you quickly uh, to Diana Devitt McDonald and Stuart McDonald. Uh, who are kindly letting me use their summer trailer uh, as the makeshift Matthew Leszczynski Memorial Studio uh, which is located on the Devick compound up here in Muskoka so um, thank you guys Uh, it allows me to uh, get away um, and get some quiet because uh, we got what three dogs in the house right now uh, kids and uh, it can be chaotic uh, and not to mention the one little Chihuahua barks when anybody or car goes by. Not that many people go by, but it was Labor Day long weekend, so there's a lot of cottagers coming up and down the road. And this little this little dog barks like crazy. If you if you hear in any of the past podcasts a dog barking that you can uh, you can uh, pay courtesy to Jacks the little Chihuahua. So thank you to Diana and Stuart, uh for letting me use your uh, beautiful trailer uh, up here in Muskoka, which is only about 25 feet from the front door. So um, thank you so much, guys. Uh, Before we get into the episode, this episode is probably brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Team Issue is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, you can head over to the website teamissue.ca. Use promo code TODRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. If you don't know what Team Issued is, that is a clothing line, a clothing brand developed, uh, owned and operated by a friend and former teammate of mine, Jesse Paradise, who I played with for one season uh, when I played with the Kelowna Rockets. He was a 16 year old when I was 20. He was uh, my second guest ever on this show way back on episode number three, uh, after not talking to me for uh, like a decade and a half or whatever it had been. And, uh, basically all he had heard was all the, all the horrible things that I had done and, and uh, the things that whatever, uh, the, yeah, the choices I <laughs> continued to make, it seemed. And, uh, when I reached out to him, he didn't, again, he didn't hesitate. And, uh, he offered the sponsorship to the show up team issue and, and since that day our partnership has been absolutely tremendous and uh, it worked out nicely for me because I've talked about it quite often. I was uh, freshly out of jail for the fifth or sixth time unfortunately and I really had nothing. I had walked away from uh, my past life in really Ontario and uh, took nothing with me. Uh, literally when I walked out the doors of, of jail, all I had was uh, one pair of jeans and a shirt that Taylor had got. Uh, on the way there the day before uh, and from there I started building slowly and I literally had no money and and, uh, not uh, not too many options available and uh, Jesse, you know, sent me a huge box of free team-issued clothing and uh, honestly what that did for me, uh, it made me want to, you know, care about my appearance again and made me feel good again and uh, that's the reason why he started the brand in the first place if you read it uh it was based on the feeling of him like that we used to get like at the beginning of every single year we would get like a little duffel bag or whatever of all the gear all the swag from our team and junior and pro and all that and that was like one of the best best days of the whole year and then again at christmas time we'd get something or whatever uh it was always awesome we'd get shoes and flip-flops and uh it was awesome right so jesse always remember that and he utilized that a lot and and after hearing him talk about it i really wish i did this he actually would use that stuff and he would trade it uh with the other guys on other teams so he ended up with you know swag from all the different teams in the whl which is really cool uh and then so when he retired he was like how do i like recreate that feeling of getting it so you know he he started his own clothing brand and so when you get the team issue back whatever it's sort of it's sort of like that and uh it it made me feel good again so jesse thanked you um, check it out teamissued.ca promo code toe drag 15 to get 15% off your total purchase all right guys so before I get in to episode 50 um, wow uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play something and at the end of it it may just have to play out for a bit because uh, we'll see how we'll see how I'm doing uh, emotionally Uh, but let's do it, uh, let's get right in to episode 50.
0: Brady joins us here on the line, but, you know, reading this, if somebody were to tell you this story without reading it, you'd you'd say, like, this is not true. Where did, I I guess, I don't even know where to begin in some ways, but where did it all go sideways? You, You grew up in Port Coquitlam. Uh, you, you started go playing in the Western Hockey League, um, and then life kind of took a turn, didn't it? There's so many layers to this story. I'm all over the place. Growing up in in Port Coquitlam, uh, my dad raised me. Ryan, he's a retired firefighter in North the North Vancouver district. Could bring tears to my eyes talking about this guy. Really, my story has no reflection on him. My dad was down on Hastings and in Surrey, and I didn't know this. Um, you know, lifting up blankets of, of junkies on the street, as he said. He could have easily found me, because that's where I was, guys. It, it wasn't pretty. Brady Leavold uh, with us here on Sportsnet 650.
2: How did it all go sideways for you?
0: You know, your dad was, did everything he could to help raise you and did a wonderful job. You know, things were going in the right direction. You go off to the Western Hockey League. Where, where, did it, where did it go awry for you? It was a combination of things. Uh, I mentioned uh, briefly about the sexual abuse. So growing up, you know, I never said anything to anybody. Uh, I stuffed that down. Uh, and then, you know, moving away from home at a, at a young age... Uh, it's very difficult. I think just not knowing how to deal with that. So when I found drinking and drugs, um, like a lot of people, uh, it was an instant relief. You know, I had all these thoughts, suicidal thoughts, uh, mental health going on because of these things that happened when I was a kid. I didn't know how to deal with it. There was opportunities for me to talk to sports psychologists. I didn't know how to be honest. Um, I was still scared. Went back as an 18-year-old, had every opportunity to succeed. uh, And I quit five games into the season. Um, Let me take a breath because my dad just texted me and told me to slow down. Um, (laughs) So, Really, that's one thing I'm trying to implement in my life is listening to my dad now. I Didn't do that for 32 years. So let's do that now. Growing up in Vancouver, you guys know what it's like. Hastings is a real thing. Growing up, my dad was like, he gave me this speech, you know, if you don't go to school and if you don't do this, this is where you end up. Of course, I I was like, no, dad, that'll never happen to me. You know, I I don't know how my dad did it, but he did it a hell of a lot better than most men could have done on their own. And dad, I love you so much. And for that, I am ever grateful. At the end of the day, I was with with my dad the majority of the time. uh, And he just gave me and my sister such a wonderful childhood and provided us with every opportunity to succeed and do everything that we wanted to do dad i love you and i'm looking forward to uh having you on uh, on episode 50. i'm not sure you
3: ever thought that i was gonna make it i've arrived episode 50 is here Just cut to the chase here. I'm going to wipe my tears from my face. Um, wow. Uh, before I bring in my dad, I uh, just want to say, um, you know, this... Uh, it's probably something that I honestly probably didn't think was going to happen even when uh, he made the agreement with me. So if you don't know... Uh, I think I've shared this story uh, before. Uh, when I first started the podcast, I, you know, I wasn't really talking to my dad, and and uh, I had just been out of jail a few months, and I was in Muskoki. He didn't really know what the hell I was doing, as has been the case for the last 15 years, probably, and maybe longer. <laughs> and uh, anyways, I, I told him that you know I'm going to start a podcast, and he said it's probably not a good idea. And, Maybe just focus on your book, and uh, I thought it was pretty good advice. But something, uh, something was inside me uh, was was telling me that I had to start this podcast, and and so, like I did many times in the past, uh, I didn't take my dad's advice. And for once, um, for once it actually paid off. Um, and I think. Uh, We could talk about it. I think my dad was just probably a little scared that was gonna blow up in my face trying to protect me and um, Because I don't think he could have ever expected uh, For for things to happen the way they have and again, it's still very new and I'm still my I'm sure he's probably nervous, but um, I just want to say that he said back then. He's like, you know, uh, there's no way I'm coming on this I think I asked him like right when I started right I was like we got we got lots to talk about so let's do this It's like no, but episode you make it to episode 50 and uh no problem let's do it so i honestly i'll be i'll be honest so like you know i i actually marked it on the calendar like so today's september 8th but right and uh it's september 9th i had marked on the calendar because i knew uh that, that was today i just did the math in my head once i was signed onto the hockey podcast network and i could kind of figure out what day it was going to be and um then there was times along the way where it was like man am i gonna self-sabotage this uh because that's just what i do uh and i'm wondering if he thought the same thing uh but this is like just before we get into it this for me to reach this um people may not understand i don't think my dad will even understand uh, that this right here uh, is like for me a huge deal and um, not only just to get him on the podcast uh, but just to you know actually make uh come to an agreement with my dad and, and make good on it because as you're gonna hear uh, i've been probably the worst son uh, you could possibly be um, but there's reasons why and, and we're gonna get into that so Uh, Without further ado, my dad's uh, still living uh, in Port Coquitlam, um, in Citadel Heights, uh, no longer on Morrison Street, Uh, but Dad, thanks so much uh, for finally uh, doing this. Did you ever think that I was actually going to make it?
1: Uh, I didn't think the intro would ever end, so you must be choosing to have a good day today. Yes, I thought you'd make it, but I just thought I'd throw 50 out there, because you'll probably do 200 or 300.
3: Well, I hope so, and it's a nice little... Crack it there because I'm when you're throwing a crack because I'm choosing to have a good day. Well, it's it's true though because there was a lot of days where I wasn't uh, choosing to have. Many good days. uh, But I think where we'll start is I think let's just start at the beginning. I mean, things uh, were looking pretty good, weren't they at one point in time? Uh, You know, I mean, we can touch a little bit about your childhood. We've never talked about it enough, uh, because I I just never knew how to go there. But you lost your dad at, at a very young age, and you're an only child. And uh, I've actually talked about it on videos before. I never got to talk to grandma, like your mom. Uh, my grandma Lever, we called her because of uh, Don Lever. But I never clued in why they called you Lever. My dad's nickname is Lever. I never clued in that Lever actually goes with our last name, Leval, too, until I actually went to Kelowna. That's how dense I was for so long. Um, but uh, that was the first time anybody ever called me Lever without knowing that that was my dad's like nickname was in Kelowna, which was kind of cool. But, you know... Uh, I think, uh, you know, from the little bits that I did talk to grandma, uh, you and your dad were were pretty much best friends, and and our relationship was very much the same in in my eyes. And, uh, you know, you grew up in Vancouver, and and you met my mom, and at a young age, you were what, in grade nine, and and you guys were pretty much, you know, together with whatever uh, little incidents in between, as, as often happens in high school, but you guys had... Um, Brittany, right? You, we, I have a sister that I don't talk about much, but she's two years older than me. And uh, just quickly say that I was born August 21st, 1987. And uh, my dad hung a windsock on, on East 41st Street uh, on a hockey stick. And, and right from day one, I think uh, you were pretty proud to have a son. And, and you were always an avid uh, hockey fan. Uh, <laughs> supporter in one way or another you always coached hockey long before i was a- around and, and involved is that something um you know that you were looking forward to having a son like you never pressured me i'll say it right now you never once pressured me and we're going to talk about that but were you looking forward um to being like given the opportunity to teach uh, a young boy to play hockey well
1: i think that's part of it i, I just i've always enjoyed coaching like uh, like i tell everybody now those that that can't play, coach, and those that can't coach become scouts. So that's probably why I'm scouting now. So um I, yeah, no, I enjoyed that. I was probably 20 years old and I was coaching the Pee Wee A team. So as soon as I was done playing, I was coaching and I had no kids involved and it was an ex teammate and I, we uh, just decided to give back.
3: Yeah, and that's, you know, and you've always been uh, involved, I mean, around the rinks from, and you always coached too, like even, you know, you coached me and then you always coached other teams, guys that were older than me as well, and actually I wanted to talk about that um, a little bit here in a sec, but we, uh, you know, we we lived in Vancouver till I was eleven months old. Then we moved to Port Coquitlam, which was, you know, it's like twenty seven kilometers from Vancouver. What was it like back then? Because I don't really remember uh, that making that move uh, for you and mom. Uh, were you guys the first one out of your group of friends to move out there? Was that a big decision? Was it far away um, from Vancouver? And and what was the ultimate deciding factors to go to Port Coquitlam of all places? Yeah.
1: Uh... Your aunt and uncle, like Leonorian, moved out to Coquitlam, and and we moved out to Port Coquitlam, which was a bit farther, but by car it was only four minutes away from their place. So um, it was affordable out there. It was a good community, still is. And uh, no, it's probably the only place we could afford to get the kind of house we wanted and yard we wanted. So that's uh, one of the main reasons. And it was a fluke how we found the house. the realtor took us down the, a dead end street, what he thought was a dead end, but it wasn't a dead end. And it turned out it was uh, one of the Coquitlam Chiefs house that was for sale. So that was kind of funny. And that he actually had a place down by almost kitty corner to the cabin in Point Roberts. You probably don't remember that.
3: But... I do. I do. And it was like red with these big, it was like a kind of age frame shaped with like these weird balls hanging from it, right?
1: Yeah, well, that's because he took, if you remember the Pennington's next door, used to be a chicken farm to where the whole um, Campbell
3: Street was a chicken farm, and
1: the guy's house that we had, he took all the barns apart and built that cabin in Point Roberts.
3: That's kind of cool. Yeah, so my mom's family, my mom's mom had a place down in Point Roberts, which is on the tip of... Uh, the coast in Vancouver, which is it's actually the United States of America, but you can't access it uh from anywhere but Canada unless you take the boat uh from the states. Like you have to come around and come through Tawasin and go in that way or South Delta. Uh, but a really nice spot, and and that was a place I got to spend a lot of time with with uh, mom's side of the family and you until until I, I was five. Um, but I you heard it in the intro. My dad's um was a firefighter my entire life. He just recently retired. Uh, which was awesome. I always loved that my dad was a fireman. I was so proud that my dad was a fireman. I loved to go see my dad at work. Um, I loved to tell people that my dad was a fireman. Uh, he was, uh, you were like, a, you were my hero, right? So I thought, but at the same time, uh, I was extremely nervous after watching the movie Backdrop, but we'll talk about that in here in a sec. Uh, no, I'm serious. I don't think I ever told you that, but it, I think Brittany too. If you ask my my sister, it really it, it really messed my psychology up um, as a kid a little bit uh, uh, just for the night shifts, I think. Uh, but you guys moved to Port uh, and what a great house! Like you, you couldn't have bought a better house uh, to provide a better childhood uh, for two kids. Uh, backed onto a, a beautiful forest uh, that just you know provided me with tons of. Uh, life experiences and and, and good times uh, and, and probably you a lot of headaches I used to run there when I'd get in trouble and wait for your whistle uh, and I knew I'd be in shit but uh, everything was looking pretty good uh, until just before my fifth birthday when uh, you know your your wife my mom and someone you'd been with for pretty much your uh, entire childhood decided that uh, she was going to leave and, and leave you with two kids that uh, you were 32 years old. Um, so, you know, we've never talked about it. But, you know, I I found a note uh, after grandma passed away that you wrote mom and uh, Brittany and I wrote it. I don't think you ever knew this, but uh, I didn't really realize the circumstances until then. And, and I'll be honest, well, that was uh, taking place when I found the note. I was Uh, recently into oxy addiction and and in a really bad way Uh, nobody really knew plus uh, with grandma passing away it was very easy for me to kind of cover it up because you had other stuff going on and I wasn't really around you much Um, but I don't know how uh, looking back at that now uh, as a dad and going through the things that I've gone through um, what what was that like, and and how did you how did you get through it? Like all honestly, how did you do it, and uh, and, and what what made you what made you get through it? And uh, was there ever a time where you were just like, man, I just want these kids to go away because it would just be so much easier. Like, cause I know like like my sister and I were were horrible at times chasing each other around with razors and knives and all of that. Like this was after I think, but. Uh, it, especially when you weren't around, uh, it was more when you were at work. I, like, it was just crazy sometimes. Um, but you must have just felt overwhelmed. How did you not just give up it sometimes?
1: Well, you can't give up on your kids. And we had uh, good support from the grandparents. And your mom took her turn, not as often as I would have liked, but it, she did. And um, our next door neighbors were unbelievable.
3: Yeah, we were we were so lucky uh with Bob and Louise and I I've talked about that. Uh they were, you know, essentially lifesavers for 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 you, I guess. Um I always felt like they were lifesavers for for me too, but you know, now I can understand how much they they really helped you and uh Bob Bob was a real good friend and probably still is to you uh cuz you guys also hung out quite a bit. Um just yeah, we were so lucky to have them, but you know, yeah, you 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 pushed through. Um, and I remember, right around that time, is a, is about the time I started hockey. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, you had to camp overnight outside the Poco Rec Center just to sign me up. Is that true? or am I remembering? Yeah, that?
1: we had to. You had to go. I don't know if it was overnight, but it was real early in the morning that we had to go, like three or four or something like that, just because there was waiting lists back then.
3: Yeah, I think what you guys did was probably go there and drink beer at at two thirty, <laughs> three in the morning, or whatever, um, which was uh, pretty cool that you you did that. I just I remember that specifically because at that time I remember uh, it must have been very close after mom left because I remember just being not wanting you to go but wanting you to go. I was just okay with you going because it was for my hockey, and I was excited to play hockey. Uh, but looking back, what was the what was the excitement around hockey? Because uh, I don't remember. Uh, at what age was I like really starting to uh, to get into it? Because my first kind of memories of hockey are are being on the ice with you, uh, parent and taught, and of course, there's a video of it, or there was. Uh, which we would often go or it's my, my memory that we would go quite often. and it would be just you and myself and, and sometimes uh, another a parent and, or another parent and child which would usually be a lady. Janice Ballard and her son Jeff, who's now acting down in Hollywood um, and, and just you and myself. And uh, I think I might have been four or five at that time, I'm not sure, but looking back, uh, did I always want to play hockey? When did I start carrying a hockey stick around?
1: Uh, real early. You liked to play hockey, you didn't like to practice hockey, and it, it couldn't be pretend, it couldn't be like half ice or third ice, it had to be whole ice, and, <laughs> and there had to be goalies, and there couldn't be shooter tutors, and yeah, if there wasn't referees, you were you were a little upset.
3: Really? I just was, was I ultra competitive, or what was it I just wanted, what was the deal there? Was it like that from day one, or or did something It had change? to be
1: real. It had to be like whatever you saw on TV, I'm guessing. Huh,
3: it's interesting. Uh, ahead. you were kind of intrigued by the
1: Junior B team that was here and you were infatuated with a bunch of those guys.
3: Yeah, that was, you know, it's funny because uh, you haven't read anything about uh, I've written uh, while I was in jail, obviously, and uh, because since getting out, you and I have barely spent any time together, and I'm obviously living in another province. Um, <laughs> well, we haven't spent any time together. <laughs> it, well, exactly. and uh, But I write about that. As I write about uh, looking up to the Port Coquitlam Buckaroos as if that was my stepping stone to the NHL, because there was no major junior teams in our our area. Uh, The only reason I knew about any junior teams uh, was because we would listen to Dan Russell's sports talk uh, whenever you weren't at work uh, at 10 o'clock at night um, and I would just pretend like I just wanted to just I like to sleep in your bed I think uh, when whenever I could and we'd just listen to sports talk and, and and watch sports highlights and it's funny because now I I look back uh, and it's and it's even funnier because I was watching a game where I was playing and it was they just posted it on YouTube as a WHL throwback game where I was playing with Kelowna and and Dan Russell is the commentator for the game and. It's, it's funny because you know I can't tell you how many hours you and I spent listening to that show um and now I kind of have my own sports talk show uh, and taking things from listening to that all those years ago and and uh, picking up on on little things like that so I, it's kind of I've thought about this I don't know if you've ever thought about that do you is there any coincidence that did you ever see me doing this mm. Well, I didn't see you doing a lot of
1: things, but you no, know, I knew you would do something, <laughs> something in the hockey world at some point. I don't know whether, you know, but, uh, you're doing a good job at this and you seem passionate about it. So just keep you going in the right direction. That'll be good.
3: Yeah. And and that's, that's been the biggest thing, um, I think through the podcast is it's, it's been such a, a positive outlet. It's allowed you and I to connect again. It's allowed me to connect with a lot of uh, old friends and as well as many new great people uh, in and out of the hockey community. Um, but it's funny that you talk about, you know, I do remember uh, those times as a kid being, you know, real pissed off that, you know, when things didn't go my way, uh, including when things weren't real. Uh, I was a handful. Uh was there a time uh looking back, like can you pinpoint it uh to when I went from and we'll talk about how like crazy I was at times, um, when I started to really lash out uh as a kid and have like like major episodes. Can you pinpoint it to an age?
1: Oh well, probably Adam or Pee Wee, I guess. You have had a bit of rage there and I had no idea about what you've revealed about being abused, and we uh, may have been able to deal with
3: it then. But
1: well,
3: um, yeah, you were you were angry at some of your games, and after some of your games, and so what? I wasn't I wasn't uh, typically like that before. Like, did you really like looking back now? Like, obviously, because um, you would assume. Uh, and parents assume that these things don't happen. Uh, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that uh, incident or anything because talking about that incident doesn't change anything. Uh, yep. But what we can talk about uh, is, you know, just looking back and, and so that maybe we can help people pick up little signs uh, because I was not telling anybody for anything. Like, um, there just was no way because at that time, uh, it's interesting you say that it was around that time because I thought it was a lot earlier, but maybe it wasn't. Um, because I remember, if you remember me coming home, there was a time when I just had to have a Ramon CD. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember no, that? No, I don't remember that. Well, no, well, that's... we went to HMV, and I remember I had to made you buy me this Ramon CD, but this was a CD that this guy made me listen to and anything but... I must have been uh, in grade four, uh, grade three, grade four, somewhere around there. So it would have been, yeah, the ages that, that you're saying. And, and uh, certainly there's there's nothing that would have made you think that that would have happened to me. But I know that in and around those times uh, at eight, nine, ten years old, um, especially um, with, you know, the young young kids on the playground, and certainly in the hockey dressing room, you start to hear homophobic slurs and guys use uh, different words. uh, And then you start to see um, kids get labeled that aren't even these things. uh, And then their whole life gets ruined. Like I saw it myself, like kids get labeled as something that aren't even that, like somebody would be called gay uh, because something happened. uh, and, And certainly that person wasn't gay. But then for the rest of their school lives, especially at the younger ages, they would get made fun of or ridiculed for it or, you know, have a nickname attached to that. You know what I mean? So for me, I was like, there is no way that that's going to be me. So I'm just going to shut this down here and just keep on motoring along. Um, And hockey was my outlet. Um, As much as I love to play on the ice, um, I must have spent... Uh, you must have spent, sorry, a fortune on rollerblade wheels. How many sets of rollerblades wheels did I go through as a kid? You a figure dozens. If you
1: weren't stealing your sister's, so
3: <laughs> yeah, she'd be pissed. Uh, she'd always get the same as whatever I was getting, and then I'd end up going through mine and uh, and using hers. Uh, no wonder she still has a little bit of a little bit of hate on for me. Um, but <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, I just I remembered, I uh, just you know endless hours of of playing on the front street on morrison and and carrying the the ghetto blaster out there and and pumping music whether it was with um with kids or not and but one of the kids that i played with um at a at a young age um quite often on the front street was a guy by the name of peter gordon uh and you uh actually coached peter uh and and, uh he's he's a few years older than myself and and he lived up the street from us and uh, he was always infatuated in love with Ed Belfour. He looked like a little mini Ed Belfour. Um, and he was a pretty good goalie. Uh, I always thought he was the best goalie because he was older than me. And uh, then when you coached Bantam AAA, uh, he would have been five years older than me. Uh, he was your guys' goalie. Uh, shortly thereafter, he moved from Poker Quitlam uh, to Semyamu to White Rock. Uh, and uh, some things happened uh, in a situation, uh, I believe... Uh, that the kids were picky on him uh, and calling him, you know, homophobic slurs and calling him gay. Uh, and shortly thereafter, he hung himself and uh, Peter Cor- Gordon committed suicide at uh, 16 or 17 years old. Um, did you, you went to his funeral, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, so, what a tragedy. Like, looking back, um, you know, I spent a lot of time as a kid um, playing with this, uh, playing with this kid. And there's a picture and I hope, uh, we can find it somewhere, uh, of me when I'm young, I think at my birthday or whatever, and he's in his gear. And I would just love to have that picture because now with what I'm doing, um, surrounding the Puck Sport Foundation with mental health and addiction, uh, that would be, uh, Peter Gordon would be my first friend that, that really struggled, uh, with that. And, um, it's, it's just really tragic and, uh, we've never discussed that, but I just wanted to bring that up. Um, just, you know, just to go on the record, um, you know, cause I had to be honest, I'd completely forgot about it, uh, up until the other day. Uh, and I never want that to happen again. Uh, even though, you know, I, me and him had grown apart from a very young age cause he got older and whatever, but at the same time, there's a lot of fond memories there. And, and, Honestly, he was a good goalie, so I think I got to hone a lot of my skills um, getting to shoot on him. Would Would that be kind of... Did I shoot on him quite a bit or no? Well, uh, you would come out to the odd practice with the older kids. and. No, I mean on the front um, street. No, but I'd bring you out on the ice too. Oh, I know that, but... Well, I, I, but I, I remember one time, Dad. You have a babysitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember one time, actually, he had the new pads, and we were doing the buckaroo drill, that little shootout drill, and I, I, I deked him out on one. And uh, I was like, nice pads, Pete. You remember that? Mm hmm. <laughs> Pretty funny. But, uh, you know, yeah, so looking back, that I just want to let you know, too, that, like, there's nothing, uh, I'm, yeah, there's, there's really nothing you could have done, uh, even if we would have uh, went ahead and, and got, you know, um, you know, psychologists or whatever. Uh, I was so fixated uh, on shutting that down based on the experiences that i had had in the schoolyard and uh, in the dressing room, uh, seeing how other people were being ridiculed based on that. Plus, I was getting, uh, I was really confused about it all, because again, I thought if people find out that, that makes me gay and all this stuff. So I was really fighting this, and I think if it wasn't for hockey, uh, and if it wasn't for you, uh, giving me every opportunity, uh, things would have got a lot, um, uh, like things could have got a lot worse. Like I would have been dead a long time ago. Uh, and obviously, uh, it's been hockey that's been allowed me to, you know, to get out of the situation that I've been in. Uh, and that's a direct result because of your hard work and, and the things and the sacrifices you made uh, to give me the opportunity to play hockey. And it wasn't just hockey, uh, because I haven't talked about this, but I did. I, I attempted BMX racing uh, and wakeboarding uh, and everything else. And my dad was always right there to support me uh, to the best of his ability. Um, very often, um, you know, stretching his means uh, way beyond uh, anything imaginable, uh, just, you know, to, uh, make me, um, you know, happy essentially. And, uh, I think looking back uh, now that's like, you know, I was a brat, uh, I was spoiled. Uh, but at the same time I, I did have a lot going on. I'm not making excuses, but there was a lot going on. And, and I, I just want to reiterate that there's nothing I don't think that you could have done, uh, or, or short of anybody uh doing uh to look back or to go back and change anything and, and realistically there's no point in doing that cuz we can't anyways. What we can do is just move forward. So just because we've never really talked about it now we have uh and we can just move forward. Um but I want what I want uh what I do want to talk about is uh you know the times uh when you were coaching uh and there was times when when I would miss hockey uh because of you know a school dance or something like that. Do you remember this?
1: I think you're remembering more times than than it really
3: happened. But yeah,
1: there were times that you didn't. You would rather go to a dance or whatever, and I was coaching and I would give you the one chance and then give you the second chance. You didn't want to come. I had to go to the right. So you would you missed out a few for sure.
3: So looking back, do you think it would have been beneficial uh, to force me to go? Uh, do you think because I'm asking because I'm not sure how I would handle that situation and most parents uh, are so uh, man you hear about stories like Patrick O'Sullivan uh, and his dad and people often asked me like whenever I a lot of the times you know when I was homeless or in jail uh, and even you know, just early in my addiction and stuff. And when I came out uh, of retirement there in, in Texas and stuff like that, people would often ask me, they're like, so what happened? Like, why? Like, did your dad pressure you? Uh, did a coach abuse you? What was it? And I would always just be like, no, like, I, I don't know what it is, right? But I always knew, um, the, like, what happened to me as a kid. But everybody always thought that you must have pressured me to play and i think everybody just thought that always and i that was never the case uh do you ever wish that you pressured me a little bit more or or you know gave me I can't
1: imagine how you would have turned out if i pressured you i didn't pressure you and look what happened so
3: yeah i i know <laughs> i'm just that's why i'm asking i'm not saying it would have done me any 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 different i'm just asking what you what your thoughts are on it now cuz i think you know, I, people don't understand um, that I was a time bomb. Um, sometimes uh, there was a time when uh, we were playing in West Vancouver and my dad a, a, was a North Vancouver district firefighter at the time. And uh, we were playing and something happened and I had one of my little episodes and I, I think I got a gross misconduct. I think I shot the puck at the ref after the whistle. And uh, 13 years old, 12 years old, and... Um, Had lots of stuff going on in my head. Like, I I remember uh, being a basket case um, and just a mess uh, around this time. And uh, I can look at the pictures of myself and of that time and just be like, wow, like, you know, that poor, like, you know, I just want to go back there and be like, man, just tell someone, just talk to somebody, but you can't. Um, But after you didn't finish the story. I know, but after the game, After the game, uh, you know, I remember I was sitting in the car because you were at the coach, so you had to finish the game. Uh, And your friend Gord was was also coaching and he was with us. And so after the game, I was sitting in the car and uh, we were on our way to go to have breakfast. I guess it would have been lunch at the Tomahawk, which is a great restaurant in North Vancouver. Shout out to them. Um, I don't know if it's still there, uh, but it's a great spot. And uh, we were going there. And as we're driving, pulling it out of the rink, uh, my dad just starts ripping into me. Uh, I need to smarten up. Uh, I'm embarrassing him. Like, this is crazy, blah, blah, blah. And he's true. Like, what I did was absolutely insane. Like, shooting the puck at the ref, causing a scene. I can't imagine how many parents were like, what the hell's wrong with your son? Um, and so then my dad's, like, saying all this to me. And I just remember leaning in and punching him. I, I I can't imagine I punch him very hard but I still punch him and I just remember my dad hammering on the brakes turning around and giving me a shot back and I remember instantly crying uh and my dad goes and he he he's he's driving and I'm crying and I'm like Ah, you can't hit me, I'm calling the police, you're going to jail, blah, 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 blah. So my dad, he, of course he knows the area, it's West Vancouver, It's right. we're right beside his fire hall within 10 minutes, he knows the area, and uh, he doesn't say anything, I'm just sitting there going off, he's not saying a word, and I'm still going crying, I'm like, you're gonna be sorry, blah, 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 dah, dah, dah. probably for like the whole way there, then all of a sudden the car stops. And he's like, my dad looks back at me. He's like, well, get out and tell him. I look out the window. We're outside the police station. And then I'm like, I'm not going out there. And he's like, that's what I thought. No, sit there and shut up. And I'll never forget it. Do you remember that? I do. It's in my book. <laughs> oh, you're writing a book now? Oh, yeah. I always have been. Your Your book's going to be better than mine. Well, that's what Garrett Joyce said. It is. I might as well not even write a book. I should just. Help. No, you should you write a book. You should. It makes you feel better. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I, I'm glad that I, I did not know uh, that you were writing a book. And uh, that makes me happy to know that you are. I think it is extremely therapeutic. And, uh, you know, I, I think by doing things like that, um, whether it's a, a journal, Uh, or a book i i think we we allow ourselves to to see a lot of the things that we've accomplished and then some of the areas that we can improve on and then that's been maybe the biggest thing for me with with writing and and uh just to let everybody know i've always been well not always but uh since i was about 18 uh, i've always kind of been an aspiring writer uh and the reason being is because my dad my dad you're you're a phenomenal writer my dad's a great writer uh, he's, uh, he's done a few pieces and, and different things and date dating back. I remember going through the hope chest at my grandma's house as a kid and finding things that my dad wrote in school projects about hockey stories and Don Lever and, and all that. And, um, it was, uh, it was cool. And so my dad, like he is, and, and you don't have to be modest about it. You are. You're I still a, can't, still can't spell though. Well, that's all right. It's okay. I'm, I have the same problem. Um, but I'm sure it's a lot. It's okay. You got you got spell check now. But no, you just have a way with words, and uh, I think I'm looking forward to reading that for sure. And uh, that that's great. And Gary Joyce is not wrong. I can already tell you. I can already tell you it's, it's going to be uh, better than mine. Uh, but you know, it's, no, he
1: was he was kidding. But the the good or bad part for you is I started to write the book, but I also have probably. of the text you ever sent in the last 10 years.
3: Well, that's a nightmare because we can talk about that. So we could start back at, you know, the first time I think the really bad texts would have started. And I mean, not the really bad ones, but the hard, uh, stressful texts. If you really want to go back, Um.
1: we can go whatever order you want to go because I know we're not going to get this in one one hour. So
3: no, we're only sat one hour already. So, (laughs) uh, but this is the thing. Like, if you want to go back, and and which I do, uh, the very first text alarming text, I think probably would have started coming in uh my 17 year old year when i was playing with the swift current broncos when i first moved away from home it's the first time i was ever away from you um first time i was ever away from home uh and i had thought about this but it was uh i don't know it was it was really difficult i remember you leaving uh i remember you had tears in your eyes too when you left me in in swift current the first time um and so did i actually i didn't at the time uh, but after I think at night time is I, I just bawled my eyes out. Um, but I really struggled uh, that year. That year I was struggling uh, emotionally with with everything and uh, thinking a lot about uh, everything and just. Uh, do you remember out of nowhere it was did it seem like I was just all of a sudden started being suicidal? Mm, no,
1: not so. I flew into Cranbrook to watch you play that time, and I talked to Dean and. You'd already met with
3: Mac. Yeah, Mac. Then I
1: knew there might be might be some issues.
3: So at that point, though, um, again, uh, I'm 17 years old. Uh, my thinking is I'm a minor. Uh, I can't say uh, too much because it's going to affect my hockey career, and that's the biggest thing. Is that I didn't want to. Uh, tell anybody, especially, you know, the sports psychologist, I knew if I say exactly how how I'm feeling, uh, that it's going to cause huge red flags, probably going to be pulled from hockey. Like, cause I was like legit wanting to kill myself, whether or not I was going to do it or not. That's all I could think about was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to, I couldn't focus on hockey. I couldn't do, uh, couldn't do anything. And, um, it's weird though, when you would fly in, those feelings would really go away Um, But of course, it's not like you could be everywhere. But you didn't
1: share them with me either.
3: No, I didn't. Um, And I would be very almost cold to you um, in a sense where it was like um, I wouldn't share with you. It's almost like I wouldn't even talk to you or open up to you. But it was like just knowing you're there in case I wanted to. It was like, okay, well, I could go on and do anything else I want to do when my dad's close by, which is really selfish because it's crazy. Like It's like, okay, so when I need you, you're going to be there. That's not how it works. But... That's essentially the way that I was running my life. I was taking you for granted, for sure, um, but missing you like crazy and just so used to having you there because, I mean, shit. Like, uh, Until we moved to Citadel Heights, I mean, there was nights where most nights, like, if you weren't at work, I was falling asleep in your bed till I was, like, 15 years old watching sports highlights. So, like, I I forget about these things. Um, I mean, and then the other nights, I was having sleepovers with my girlfriend or whatever, but seriously, that was the that was the reality of my life um and so like you flew into Cranbrook and they tell you these things but i think as a as a hockey parent and as uh my like you know me uh, obviously you knew me very well at that point uh i wasn't really acting out of sorts and it seemed like on the outside it must have seemed like i had it all figured out because i was playing in the Western Hockey League and not having a tremendous amount of success um but it seemed like I was enjoying myself playing with hangy and, and, uh, every time you saw us, we were laughing, having fun. Um, but there were those troubling phone calls. Do you remember calling saying, I'm going to eat a bottle of pills and this and that. Do you remember that? Mm,
1: not from Swift. I really don't.
3: Huh? Interesting. I remember like calling and I remember like seriously, like rattling the bottle of pills in the phone. I remember being in the, the, the bedroom at, uh, at the Marcus house, my 17 year old year. And you're like, don't just, you were freaking out. I can't believe you don't remember that. And, uh, I just, whatever. And I remember, uh, I think. Well, I'm, in, in fairness,
1: there's been, like, it's probably mixed in with the hundreds of other phone calls like
3: that. Thousands. Then, so thousands, yeah. maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, it's, it's true. So, um, I end up getting a leave of absence. I come home that year. You're pretty choked that that happened. But again, you don't know what's going on with me. I go back, uh, rookie of the year. Uh, again, things look pretty good. Um, do you remember, uh, looking back now, do you remember that weekend in, in Swift current, uh, for the awards banquet? Yeah, for sure. Cause Rod and Tyson came. And yeah, we had, we had a lot of fun. Oh. Yeah, it was, a, it was a blast. Yep. And, uh, I think, um, though, uh, it, uh, you know, I came home after that. And that's sort of when uh, things started to go south for me. And, you know, I I started to drink a lot, a little bit more than than I would have. Again, I was only 17. So that's when you start to do that. And um, it's not that you ever allowed it, but you know, I was 17 and you couldn't tell me really what to do at that point. And when you did, I just did what I wanted to anyways. So you were pretty careful with with what you did and and said around me, because like like I said, I was a ticking time bomb. There's a story in the article I, I gotta backtrack for a sec. But when you surprised me before a game with a Christian hockey stick and that I wanted that I wanted so bad, uh, because Connor had one and that's why I wanted it. And uh, you showed up because you were working. You went straight from work, straight from the fire hall. After dealing with all that bullshit all day, seeing dead bodies and all the shit that we've never talked about that you must have PTSD from that I, in my opinion, I think you need help with. That's just me. We could talk about that again when I've never said this to you. But, you know, dealing, I've never thought about all that. Grandma was the one that actually told me about that before she passed away. was like, yeah, when your dad first started the firefighting, he used to come home and he would tell me, about all the calls, about everything that would happen. But then all of a sudden it would just stop and he stopped talking about it. And then he just kind of changed and he just sort of like... So people always think, and I'm gonna say this, I'm kind of on topic. People always think, a lot of my friends at first think you're an asshole. And I'm like, my dad's not an asshole at all. My dad's actually like the nicest guy ever. Um, But I think he's just gone through so much shit Uh, with dealing with the shit at the fire hall and all those calls, like you've seen, can't imagine the shit you've seen dad, like with, with the kids and everything. I don't want to bring it up for you. That's not my job. But, uh, and then the, the PTSD you have with all the shit from me, like, Holy cow, we haven't even touched on it. I know I'm going to wrap this up because we'll have to do a part two and, and I'm hoping you'll do episode 51 part two. Will you? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So we can keep it going, but you got what? Do we have 10 minutes at least? Well, ten or fifteen. Okay, cool. So, and then I can
1: I can I'll read you the opening page of the book on fifty
3: one. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Um, you know, it's oh man. I don't know. I I come back uh, from Swift Current like like I was talking about though, and uh, that's really when my mental health issues take off. And again, I, I've talked about a lot about this girlfriend I had um, who. Uh, I knew you always knew it was a problem, uh, but you never could do anything about it. But it's not like she was the problem. Uh, She was actually really good for me. Uh, One of the people that that actually kept me on track and and kept me out of trouble. Like all the parties in high school, I would have been doing a lot of the things that uh, all the other people were doing. uh, But there was two reasons why I wasn't. One was hockey but the main reason was her because I knew if she found out or if I did it that she that was a no-go for her so I was trying to you know I didn't litter I didn't do anything because she was like that that upstanding citizen so you know losing that influence and it wasn't like looking back it wasn't even so much like hey I lost a girlfriend for the reasons of whatever a girlfriend it it was I lost my best friend um from you know her and I were best friends from grade 8 to grade 12 and uh losing my best friend that was kind of guiding me and, 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 you know, keeping me on track, uh, and, and kind of allowing me to, to find myself without falling down that, that path of of drugs and alcohol too much because I remember, uh, drinking the first time, uh, I remember me and Connor stealing booze out of the fridge. We didn't do it often, but we, we definitely did it. Um, and, and being drunk and just remember loving it because, um, it was right around the time after all that stuff happened, a couple years or whatever, twelve years old or whatever, and uh, just thinking like you know nothing else matters. So right away, I kind of knew uh, that that this was gonna happen. That uh, for some reason, I used to laugh uh, and and look at my veins in my arms and be like, I'd make a great drug addict one day because I used to have big veins in my arms. Like who says that? And uh, I guess you you uh, whatever you say becomes your reality, unfortunately. And I don't think that's either one of us could ever um, see that coming and, and we'll save that for episode 52 because, uh, there's a story I think that you don't even know that will just be like, you'll be like, wow. And it's still, it's a hard one for me to get out. But, uh, uh I, I wrote about it uh, when I was in jail. Actually, it was one of the first things that I wrote my experience and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah, you'll, it'll be a hard one to get through, but I think everyone uh, will enjoy it and, uh, definitely um I think yeah, it'll blow you away. Um, but man, I know I've kind of been all over the place for for everybody listening. And Dad, sorry, I I know I haven't given you much. It's all of right, op- sure, sure. I haven't given you much of an opportunity to talk. But like I said, we will definitely do uh, for sure part two, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunity for you to come on uh, again. And I hope that you know after we can we can just address this. Um, and get the story out, then we can, we can start moving in the direction of, uh, you know, seeing what we can do to, to help people through different avenues, including or not including the Puck Support Foundation, just, um, you know, getting your book out or whatever. Because I believe that's going to help not only you, uh, but your book can help a lot of people. Um, because I think, I think here in part two, uh, we're going to get to uh, really where um, the drugs start to come into play And, um, you know, the different behaviors and the different things that happened and um, different decisions maybe you had to make uh, based on things that were going on in your life, maybe that I don't know about or or whatever the case is, uh, because I will say that uh, one thing you did, Dad, was you never, ever, ever um, allowed me, uh, I can't speak for Brittany, but I certainly never felt that uh, anything was ever wrong. Uh, at home. Uh, but I know looking back now that you definitely struggled financially and, uh, um, you know, I don't know, again, I don't know how you did it because I, I felt like I had everything I wanted. Uh, and aside from the shit that happened to me, I, I seriously couldn't have asked for a better childhood. Like, you know, we never had the nicest car or the nicest boat. But hey, we had a, a car and a boat, and we got to, I got to water ski, and uh, I always had the best hockey gear though. Like you always made sure that I had the skates I wanted and the sticks I wanted. Um, and for that, um, I don't know if you could do it nowadays with the prices of hockey. Uh, Not a champ. It's absolutely insane. Um, but however, it was still expensive back then, and, and for that, I'm grateful because if you didn't do that, uh, if you weren't, you know. Uh, if you didn't work so hard, and, and we could talk about that again, how many jobs you worked, different jobs, not just firefighting, uh, but you were you're a scout in the Western Hockey League. You have been for how many years now? Twenty years, probably.
1: Yeah, eighteen with Swift
3: in the last two, this afternoon. Wow, that's crazy. So twenty years as a scout in the Western Hockey League, and I will say quickly that my dad, if you, <laughs> my dad is my dad's a Western Hockey League champion. I am not, uh, which was I'm very proud to say that, and and that was a cool moment for me. Um, to, to even though I was uh, completely mangled when you sent me that picture um, I was able to, it's weird when certain things happen that can bring you out of whatever state you're in and uh, it was a pretty cool uh, moment and uh, uh, whether or not I ever win a championship in any fashion it doesn't matter, it was still cool to see you win and especially see you win uh, with Swift Current uh, and I'd never seen the picture of you with the trophy until today so thank you for sending me that
1: no, well, it was a good group, really good group of scouts, and lots of good friends, and a couple of them really helped me through it all. So it was good. Yeah, and dealing dealing with you when we when I'd be away traveling or whatever. I uh, my roommate Daryl Eric was a Winnipeg cop, so he was a good sounding board. So
3: that's awesome, and and thank you, Daryl, and I would say thank you to probably guys like Tim Mills, uh who, yeah. who probably. Uh, lent uh, lent his ear to you and probably guys like harley love uh as well yeah they still do and harley in not with me too so well that doesn't surprise me i think you well his look, son's the coach well i know that but i regardless if mitch <laughs> is the coach it just doesn't surprise me that you guys are together because i know you guys you've always looked forward to uh to getting to getting together with him and uh shooting the shit so uh but, I talk to Tim just about every day. So Yeah, well let him know I said hello and uh yeah. Well I,
1: he just heard you. He's probably gonna listen to this. So
3: Well, there you go. Hi Tim. Thanks for uh <laughs> thanks for being there for my dad and uh seriously, like because I, I you know and again I will say too and, and we're gonna get into this. My dad has a my dad has a new wife, Kelly, and, and we don't have the best relationship, but um that's not uh, to say that things can't possibly get better in the future. But I know that um, there's been, psh, man, so much garbage that I've done. And we're going to talk about that, um, about all the money you gave me and all the lies and stories and the stress. Not only I put on you, but I put on her and her kids and um, everything because it'll be – this is just a little teaser for next episode. Like, there was a time uh, when there was gang members that were going to the fire hall looking for me um, – because I owed money, and Dad, that's a true story.
1: That's a true story. There were times you were in the emergency ward, overdosed, and we were dealing with collectors in the lobby trying to get into your, the ER.
3: Yeah. So, and, and these were serious gangs uh, that, were, and back then, uh, I don't even think you know this, um, but it was pretty bad because uh, the drug war that was going on back then, actually, I lost uh, a few, uh, maybe not friends uh, but acquaintances. One friend anyways, Brianna uh, that I've known that I knew for a, a long long time and uh, you know Connor dated her in middle school and uh, was shot uh, because she was dating a drug dealer and um, you know and there was many other people and it was that circle and uh, it was just I'm very lucky um, one to get out of that, uh, but more so. Uh, to get out of uh the the overdoses and, and all that and how many times it was in the psych ward um, and never mind jail. So we have so much uh to cover. Um, I hope I hope that this you know allowed us to get into uh, a little bit um, and I hope that you know people um can take something from this. But I really think that part two is uh is gonna be um uh, an absolute home run and Dad, I'm looking forward. Super looking forward to, to hearing your book that that excites me. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to write a book I've encouraged you to write a book um, and finally uh, it's happening. I don't know how long it's been happening um, But also my dad oh, was a so long so.
1: way from being finished I'm but sure you have is. to talk to longer at that It wasn't a Springer or a Povich yet, but it might be in episode 51
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny, um, but uh, it's it's all good and I um, I I'm not, I'm not sure uh what the future holds for our relationship. Obviously, I live far away and uh there's other things that that need to get mended, but the fact that, you know, you have have me as a Facebook friend and and retweet Well, I had uh, to I had
1: planned to come back to see you last August.
3: Yeah, but I ended but up nobody, back in jail.
1: Well, nobody knew where you were.
3: Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Uh
1: Nobody knew who you were, where you were. I had to file a missing person's report and cancelled the airline tickets' cause I was going to come back for your birthday. but uh about two weeks later, I got a call from o p p They said he's fine. We got him. can't tell you where he is or what he did so
3: oh, wow, what a horrible call. How many of those did you get? <laughs> we can talk about that too. It's listen it's um. It's kind of funny now, but it's not funny because at the end of the day, uh, a lot of damage was done. Uh, I can deal with the stuff that I've done to myself personally, um, but I know that there's uh, I did damage to you and your relationships and, and multiple other people, including the people um, that I harmed with different offenses um, and, and, and all of that, the crimes that I committed. And, and I'll have to own that for the rest of my life. And and there's still consequences that I deal with on an on, uh, everyday basis. And uh, there's nothing I can do to take back the past, but I, I'm so glad um, that today- us look forward to the future. Make that, it better for everybody. That's right, Dad. And uh, I just want to say, before I let you go, thank you for supporting me for, for everything. Uh, I could not have done uh, any of this without you and uh even the podcast because um you've chipped in and helped out multiple times uh to make this possible to make this whole production possible so thank you uh and i look forward to the day when one day i can actually start paying you back the millions of dollars that i owe you and i'm not exaggerating we'll get to that um but anyways dad i love you and thank you so much uh for being a guest on episode 50 i made it uh and you're back for 51 and i'm looking forward to uh hearing your book okay thanks for having me on love you talk to you soon all right love you too dad we'll talk soon (music) guys that's episode 50 of hockey to heroin the road to recovery big thanks to my dad brian well dad we did it one in the books guess what guys he's agreed to come back for another one episode 51 is going to feature my dad brian as well and I'm just so lucky. Any chance, uh, I feel lucky any chance I get uh, to talk to my dad, and I'm just looking forward to developing a relationship and spending some time with him on the golf course uh, and just really showing him who I am today uh, and just regaining some of those. Uh, you know, I guess that trust and that just that level, uh, that bond uh, that I've been missing, and I'm sure my dad has been too, and and I look forward to just rebuilding that, and there is no reason why we can't rebuild that relationship and strengthen it better than it's ever been, and like I said, I just can't wait, and I'm just so grateful that I'm still here uh, to be able to do that, And, and dad, thank you Uh, For agreeing to come on on episode 50 it gave me something to shoot for and I was really looking forward to it I was really nervous. Uh, I was really emotional and it didn't go as as planned and and that's just the case while doing podcasts and uh, You know, I feel that it went well. It's my hope that uh, We touched on the things that needed to be talked about, but we have lots more time uh, to discuss all the important issues and to get in uh, to the thick of things about my addiction uh that's coming up on episode 51 dad thank you seriously um for everything there's just no words uh we could do a thousand episodes and we'll never be able to cover all the bullshit uh and all the good times Uh, but mostly all the bullshit that i put you through and uh, all the stress and all the hurt and all the lies Uh, we're gonna open up about that in episode 51 the news about my dad's book is awesome I'm gonna keep pushing him now and encouraging him to get that out there my dad's such a great writer Uh, he's always inspired me and the things that I do are direct result of my dad and the things that he did we didn't touch on it about uh, him recording videos and stuff we can talk about that on the next episode but really there's it's no no question why. I'm into editing and the podcast and all that stuff. I'm just very much like my dad. Um, the good qualities. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. My dad is such a great, great, great human being and respected by so many. Uh, and for for good reason. Um, just want to say once again, Dad, I love you and thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. I hope you enjoyed episode 50. Halfway to 100. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. What are we going to do for episode 100 now? Who knows? Where will we be? 50 episodes from right now, from today. Where will we be? The door is wide open. So many opportunities. I see so much uh, in my future and in the PuckSport Foundation's future. And uh, just positive things for the hockey community and uh, for that you know I feel very lucky helps me get out of bed every single day I have a purpose not only do I have a beautiful family with a kid on the way I mean I'm setting myself up to have a relationship with my kids Brooklyn and Brody again and I can go to bed every single day knowing that you know I'm a good human being I'm doing all the right things Uh, I'm doing as much as I can on a daily basis to be the best person I can uh, to those around me, uh, and to learn how to love myself, and just, you know, learn how to balance the, the difficulties of life, and I try to do that, and then share them with uh, each and every one of you, and I hope that, you know, my, my story can just maybe inspire somebody just a little bit, and uh, that'll make everything that I've gone through worth it. Thank you so much for listening. Please, please, wherever you're listening, rate and review and subscribe follow me on social media at hockey to heroin at hockey to heroin podcast at puck support at gratitude crusade and at pucks and plants uh, to get educated more on other options outside of pharmaceuticals when it comes to pain management and that sort of stuff guys thank you once again for listening i want to quickly touch on the PuckSport Foundation Gratitude Crusade. Look for it. It's coming back. It's coming back heavy with new guidelines. I'm going to start nominating people like crazy because I have so much to be grateful for. What do you have to be grateful for today? I don't think all of us have to look very far. If you're listening to this, you have headphones, you have a phone, you have a computer, you have a car with a radio, something Possibly all of it. Think of all the things you have. Life is pretty darn good, isn't it? And if it isn't, change your perspective. It's it's only you can do that. Don't look to other people or outside things to do it. Look within yourself. I believe in you. Believe in yourself. And guys, if you want to support me, please do on Patreon. Patreon.com slash hockey to heroin that is how you can support me directly another big shout out to David Carlson and Brenna Leary my two first patrons good news I have just ordered some posters personalized posters that I'm going to send to David and Brenna autographed Uh, they're going to they're limited Uh, if you want one sign up patreon.com that's how you can support me directly through a monthly membership And I'm going to do my very best uh, to make it worth your while. I love that when people want to support me. And so many people have sent me money and done things and want to help me with my teeth. And and it's overwhelming. And it makes me feel extremely awkward, if I'm honest. But Patreon, that makes me feel okay because I can give you guys something back in return. Please check it out, patreon.com slash hockey to heroin. There's different tier levels, and I promise you I will do my best to make it worth your while because that's just who I am, and I'm so appreciative to everybody. But more than anything, guys, please check out the PuckSport Foundation, PuckSport.com. And please look in the link in the description right now. There's a link to the GoFundMe page. Can you afford $5? Can you take a little bit less for yourself today? Don't get your Starbucks or your Tim Hortons. Donate that $5 to the Pucksport Foundation. We need the money. The money right now raised on the GoFundMe page is for initial startup costs. Uh, I'm more than happy to be out of pocket. I don't care, but I just don't have the money uh, to take this thing to the next level, to pay the lawyers, to get incorporated. So please, get behind this thing. Get involved. We're transparent. The door is wide open. Um, again, I'm not in charge of the finances. We have, we have professionals on the board. And we're actively seeking uh, members. Uh, not so much for the board, but uh, at this point, volunteers, uh, ambassadors, and all that stuff. So if you want to help spread the word of the Poxport Foundation, please do. And please support us by donation if you can. I hate asking for money, but listen, the goal is $25,000. We're going to need $25 million, but not by GoFundMe. Uh, once we get to 25,000 or maybe even just a little bit less we can hit hit uh, that goal and we can get the lawyers paid and get these things done and get incorporated start going after larger sponsors then we can give them that donor receipt once we're incorporated Uh, you know we can go after government grants we won't rely on gofundme pages so guys please right now These initial donations mean everything to us. It's what we need, guys. Please, I beg you. I don't beg often, but the Puck Support Foundation needs to happen. And we're going to make sure that we can do everything we can to bring the best possible resources and help to the hockey community on a whole level. Um, And like I said, we want you to get involved. Please do. Email us, team at pucksupport.com and check us out, pucksupport.com. Thank you so much for listening that is episode number 50 of course brought to you by team issue limited check their website out teamissue.ca use promo code towdrag15 to get 15% off your total purchases that's it for episode 50 thank you so much for listening if you're struggling please reach out to somebody if not to me i do my best to get back to everybody and i'm currently Uh, seeking out resources for people and we're working on setting up the 1-800 number for the PuckSport Foundation uh, and and aligning the proper resources so we can help people because if people reach out to us every single day you guys have no idea we need your help when I say we need your help uh, I don't ask lightly I ask with a heavy heart because people are struggling and many people have already lost their battle and I can't take it anymore so please guys check out the description The link is there to the GoFundMe page. Even if you can just afford $5, please, guys. Like I said, I beg you. And I really hope you're all having a great week. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. Take care of each other. Be happy. Be grateful. And if you're not, change your perspective. Change your attitude. And remember, have a great day, if you so choose.
2: Oh yeah, you know me. I have only a path. I'm lonely, but damn, I'm going to one yeah. of